This is On Deck, conversations about entrepreneurship with Les Deck. My guest today is Carrie McLennan, and she is the CEO of a delightful company called Flirt Communications. I was just on their social media and website, and they're just so much fun and so uh, upscale, and they bring so much enjoyment uh, to the corporate events that they do. Been in business for a while now. Uh, I've known Carrie for a long time, and uh, full disclosure, Carrie is my daughter-in-law, and I'm very proud of her as an entrepreneur. So welcome, Carrie. Well, thank you for that nice introduction, Les. <laughs> um, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us a little more information about what Flirt Communications does in the world? Great. Yeah, Flirt Communications is uh, first and foremost a communications company. We primarily produce uh, sales meetings and events. So if you can imagine a, a ballroom in a hotel with maybe five or 600 people uh, coming together once a year to hear the marching orders and, and understand the marketing plans for the products or things like that, that, we handle all the things that happen in that room, including writing the speeches and uh, producing the videos and making the graphics look great, and playing the music and setting up all the staging. So. There, a lot of people say they're in the events space or the events business, but it can mean a lot of things. Sometimes it's logistics like travel and decor and food. That's not us. Sometimes it's it's more like what we do, which is the, I call it the meat and potatoes of the meeting. I was around that uh, business for a while back in my early days of my career, or maybe the mid days of my career. And there's an awful lot of... Mm -hmm back room stuff that goes on. An awful lot uh, goes into um, the pre-production, uh, tremendous amount of planning. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me about your staff. What kind of staff do you have? Is it all people who go on site or do you have uh, folks who uh, get involved in the, uh, uh, the back room aspects of that as well? Yeah, it's a little bit of a mix. And um, we have a really good core group of people who are what we refer to as producers and account managers and uh, support people. Um, you're right about the pre-production. You know, typically a big event will have about a three-month runway um, with a little bit prior to that where we're coming up with a theme, where we're, you know, determining roles and responsibilities, um, starting weekly calls with the key stakeholders, um, bringing together that agenda and what we call a show flow, which is the, you know, beat by beat of everything that's happening, um, you know, assembling the, the larger crew. So Flirt has 15 full-time folks um, but we probably have 30 to 50 people that we work with on a regular basis on a contractual or a freelance basis who, you know, people like writers and video teams and, uh, you know, specialists who, who do certain things that, um, you know, contract themselves out on an event by event basis. On your social media, uh, I was looking at large meetings, big meetings all over, apparently all over North America. Mm -hmm. um, one in the Bahamas, one in Hawaii, and uh, I saw another San Francisco um, 
Golden Gate Bridge, et cetera, in there. Mm-hmm. Um, to do that, you must be working with large clients. So kind of describe to me your client avatar, who your Yeah, um, so we're lucky that we work in a – a lot of different industries and I think that's a smart move if you can because it you know protects you when some industries are pulling back on their dollars. Um, certainly healthcare clients do this a lot. They have a big share of these live meetings because they have sales teams that are going out and selling to doctors and hospitals and caregivers and they have uh, you know medical devices as well as medications, etc. But we also work with a tech company. We work with a manufacturing supply company. We work with uh, consumer brands. So our portfolio is pretty diverse in terms of the kinds of clients. But basically, if they have a sales force and they want to motivate them and excite them and inspire them to, you know, be a... um, you know, a happy part of the team and also, you know, understand what's going on and bring them together. That's a potential client for us. Great. Many of us out here as entrepreneurs have worked for some of those companies. Uh, And uh, we've Uh been to corporate events and a lot of corporate events are pretty gray, pretty silver, uh, uh, kind of mundane, lots of speeches. Um, I looked at uh, what you're doing uh, and it is uh, so upscale. I'm thinking Flirt is the, the right name for this company. Uh, because, uh, it, <laughs> uh, and uh, as you quipped before, it's not a dating service, but it, uh, you certainly are engaging people. Uh, how did you decide to make that real effort and sort of break away from the uh, uh, averages as far as uh, meetings are concerned? Yeah, when we formed the company in 2008, that was really our goal is um, we wanted to do things differently. And we were part of uh, the group that started Flirt Communications was part of a bigger organization, a larger company. And the old model uh, really was about making markup on equipment and labor and, you know, kind of formulaic at the time, we really wanted to engage more technology into the meeting events experience. We were one of the first companies to have, uh, and we had to develop it ourselves, a, a meeting app for the attendees to be able to connect on the app and share and uh, information and engage that way. Um, and we we tried out lots of other, you know, uh, polling and other kinds of tech, bringing other technology in. We really wanted to shift the spending dollars from, you know, equipment and labor, which is basically a commodity, to hey, cl- uh, client, let's let's focus your efforts on the stuff that really matters. You know, the messaging and the engagement and making people feel connected as a team and and hopefully stay with your company. So. That was that was really part of, you know, why we started Flirt in the first place. Okay, well, you've been very successful with that, uh, and it's it's really evident in the things that show on your social media and what's on your website. Tell us a little bit about the process uh, and the organization around starting Flirt, and maybe some of the earlier efforts that it grew out of. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, like I mentioned, we came, a a small core of us uh, came from a larger company to start Flirt in 2008, which was not a good year to start a company. (laughs) 
high alt measures. 2008 was was pretty, um, you know, tumultuous in terms of the economy and people's uh, pulling back travel and and whatnot. But we had a loyal group of clients who stayed with us because we focus on that communications. We're able to do, you know, lots of different types of things to keep their companies communicating with them with each other. You know, we were started with with three core people and and quickly brought on uh, someone to run our office manager to run and also take care of our accounting. So, um, you know, we were four people for a while. We grew slowly, but um, steadily. And, you know, as the market improved, uh, our opportunities for live events uh, came back. So that was, um, you know, an interesting time. And, you know, we've had a steady growth. We've kind of have a remarkable track record with keeping clients for a long time. Um, It's a it's tough for a client to make a switch in this area because um, sometimes companies like us, Flirt Communications or others, will have a lot of knowledge about the company that maybe some of the new team members from the client side don't have. So, you know, we... we continue to be more and more strategic consultants as the longer we have, uh, you know, those relationships. Which is a, a real growth from uh, where you started. I remember, I remember when you and a couple of other mm-hmm. gals put together <laughs> a little company that uh, grew rapidly because you had a wonderful high-tech service. So tell us about that a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So out of college, uh, I had studied computer graphics and there wasn't much, you know, in the design field, not the engineering, weren't a lot of jobs. And this whole idea of electronic speaker support hadn't really caught on. There was no such thing as PowerPoint. Um, People were still using 35 millimeter slides in these meetings. So um, got connected with some folks who had learned how to take a, a computer, a PC, and hook it up to a video projector. And there was some very remedial, uh, super simple software that ran that. And um, it was really new and cool and different than the slides. And we started a company uh, called Warm Boot and was was offering that to other production companies as a service that they could offer to their clients. And of course, you know, that was catching on and, you know, People liked it because they could make changes versus having to, you know, 35 millimeter slides. The process was about, you know, 36 to 48 hours to get those changes done. So, so yeah, so that was, was something that really took off. And then um, a few things happened, you know, PCs became more available. PowerPoint came out. All of our clients had adapted some kind of technology like the one that we had, Mm -hmm. you know, started with at Warm Boot. So we tr- we transitioned into a production company where we were doing more than just the speaker support and the graphics, where we were actually you know producing the meetings. So that's how I I moved from being a graphic designer to being a producer and account executive and that sort of thing prior to starting Flirt in two thousand eight. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting set of circumstances around that and the. Uh, the start of Warm Boot being relevant to what you're doing now, just a straight line from mm-hmm. there on up. Uh, so some of those major steps uh, you took 
prior to becoming uh, a CEO were obviously important. Do you still go on site? I do. I I go mostly for the client relationships and to, you know, sort of support and motivate my team. So I don't go on site all the time and I don't go on site nearly as much as I used to when I had a, you know, a, a, a real important role. I sometimes joke that when I go on site, my role is to make sure everybody has coffee. <laughs> sometimes I run, I'll, I'll run the house lights or do something simple. Just, you know, want to make sure that people are yeah. being taken care of. You don't of. wear the captain button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, Carrie, I know there was a, a cataclysmic event that uh, uh, helped you to become CEO of this business. Could you talk a bit about that? Mm -hmm. Sure. So, one of the main folks who helped start Flirt uh, was a fellow named Paul Patan. And, you know, a couple years into our endeavor, Paul got sick, unfortunately, with a with a rare cancer and ultimately uh, passed. We we had some time to talk about, you know, the, you know, what, what might happen, um, you know, if, if the worst case were to come to pass. And Basically, Paul it just asked, you know, do you want to keep doing this if, you know, if I'm not here? And and uh, I said, yes, um, I think I do. And so we worked out a situation where I would buy basically the his shares of the company uh, back, you know, from his family over a course of five years. So that's that's basically what happened. And it, you know. It was emotional yeah. time, of course, but the company was very strong uh, financially, and you know the, we managed to maintain all that business and grow it. And I wasn't too worried about you know running the business at that time because we have we have a pretty long runway in terms of knowing what what's going to happen next year. People, you know, our clients tend to to lock you in at least a year in advance and sometimes longer. So I felt like, okay, if anything's going to happen, if we're going to lose any accounts or or business is going to turn, we'll have a long view of that and, and plenty of opportunity to adjust. So I was a little, you know, pretty fearless in terms of just going for it and and expanding and, you know, continuing to help grow the business. And then, you know, we had this oh. pandemic, which, uh, <laughs> which, uh, which was something, you know, that we didn't have a long view of. We couldn't really see that that was coming. And our calendar got like a lot of people, right? And, you know, this affected everybody. Our calendar just got completely wiped out in about two or three days. <laughs> and there we were, you know, here we do live events and there's going to be no live events. And, you know, people tried to warn me and I I didn't want to believe that it was going to take as long as it did, you know, for things to, you know, come back. Um Three years ago now we're talking and we're finally, you know, coming back. But um, so we did a big pivot. We, um, you know, we did a lot of virtual meetings. We really 
upped it to another level. We used a professional studio. Essentially what we were doing during that time was producing television shows. So we had a technology where we could bring in multiple speakers from all over the world. We were doing lots of video. We were mixing that in with music and creating as entertaining and engaging of a virtual program as possible. So did you have to go out and get new partners during that time? Actually, our old partners who, you know, were supplying us with um, equipment, basically, on our shows had the same setup in their, you know, in their studio. So everybody, everybody did a little bit of a, of a, of a, of an adjustment. (laughs) But we, we decided early on that we were going to be platform agnostic. And I think that helped us a lot, too. And what I mean by that is... um, you know, some people really dug into using Zoom or Teams for their meetings or certain platforms like the 3D platforms. We were producing a show that could be shown and used on any platform. Uh, so if the client had a preference or something that they had a, a subscription to or had purchased rights, we still could integrate. So I think that helped us to not to, you know, have one way of doing it. Has that product style uh, endured and become part of your uh, revenue as you move forward here? Yes. Although for a while we were doing and recently planning to do a hybrid show where we would have some folks live in the room, some live live meeting elements, and some people attending virtually. What we found uh, or what our clients have found is that the vir- the interest in the virtual has dropped off. People either, you know, they're showing up and coming. So in a few cases, we've stopped, you know, doing that because it's just not worth the money to have that set up and not have anybody or very, very few people logging in and using it that way. Okay. All right. So suddenly you were thrown into being the CEO and things look good and Things were moving forward and growing, and then the pandemic changed everybody's outlook on everything. As you spoke about that pivot, uh, it occurred to me that those partners that you were using were in the same situation. They weren't sending Uh equipment out, obviously, and so they were probably pulling their horns in. The one thing you didn't have that other people did have during that time was supply chain issues. Yeah. Uh Lucky there. So when we think about, when you think about operating the business, looking back on the years that you've been uh, doing this now, about 15 years, what do you consider the most important and the most productive strategic decisions that you've made? That's a good question. An opportunity came uh, to me. I can't, I'm not very good at keeping track of the years, but uh, after Paul passed and another woman who had a company similar to ours was looking to downsize her uh, staff and also focus her business more on training. So we had a few lunches and spoke about it and um, we had, you know, similar ideas about business and how we handle our clients and, and similar values and basically out of that conversation came a deal where two of her producers, uh, their names are Leslie and Jen, uh, came over from her company with a handful of clients. And um, I paid 
that woman back, uh, you know, over a couple years in commissions on that business. And that turned out to be a really great way to grow Flirt Communications. We've got two wonderful people. We have a couple of new fantastic clients that we've managed to grow and, and penetrate that business and are working for more divisions of those clients and also, you know, open our circle and allow us to bring on more, more staff. So that was a really great step that helped us grow our revenue and, and our team. And then uh, go ahead. um, A wonderful little acquisition that you paid for out of cash flow. You didn't have to write a big check to start with. Correct. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. It worked out for the woman who sold it, and it worked out for us perfectly. It was it was good business. And so, uh, the two producers that came out of that acquisition are still with you. Yes, Leslie and Jen are still with us and still um, helping us grow the business. As a matter of fact, coming out of the pandemic. Um, I offered Leslie and Diana, someone else who's been with us for a long time, opportunities to become partners in the same way that Paul had done for me and another member of our team, Pete. Um, And so uh, I've been happy to bring them into the fold of decision-making and discussions and just helping. And I, I really didn't, know how good that was going to make me feel you know things were going great and then you know during the pandemic we had some you know not we had some things to discuss and work through and those two really stepped up and became leaders and so it was obvious to me that they you know deserved to have you know a stake in the company and they were very excited about that and still are and that was this i would say the second thing that you know was kind of a strategic and and good move for the business and for okay. me. Many entrepreneurs uh, think they shouldn't share equity um, mm-hmm. because there'll come a day when somebody writes them a big check and, you know, they want it all. That's changing to some extent. I'd, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, what specifically did you gain from this sharing equity with the right people? You've described them as the right people, those who stepped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, helped you during a, a very difficult time. So they're the right people. So what have you gained now by sharing equity with them? Um, it's been, gr- you know, I would tell anybody this is the right thing to do. You know, share, you know, give some, because what you get back is is so much more. You know, the enthusiasm from Diana and Leslie has been really remarkable. They, they're, they're really just owning it and helping, you know, solve problems, helping with motivating uh, uh, staff people. They're a little bit of a different personality from each other and from me. So it's really nice to have that triangulation of ideas and opinions and have, have someone look at it analytically and someone look at it emotionally and someone, you know, um, so the, you know, the decision-making and the, and the conversations have been really robust and good and, and help and super helpful. Um, <clears throat> we also had our best year ever. We keep having our best year ever, someone pointed out. And I think that's, you know, that's part of the result of that. Um, we're growing business and growing accounts and Diana and Leslie are a big part of that. So I think it comes back, you know, it, trifold. <laughs> 
when you do something like um, that. So I'm I'm for it. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's a good thing to share with a lot of entrepreneurs who might otherwise not share it. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're having your best year and you keep having your best year, that means that the company is recovered in terms of revenue and profit from the doldrums of the uh, pandemic? Oh, that's absolutely. We came out stronger. <clears throat> Excuse me. We came out, we came out of the pandemic stronger than than we were before. Yes. So it's been it's been good, but it's been hard. I'm going to say that our people are tired. People have been working really hard. Um, like most folks, it's it's we're having a little bit of a tough time with the labor pool and finding more team members to join the team. We had some people in our industry retire uh, during all of that. Um, and, you know, the it's it's a little little tougher to get that uh, support than it was before. So um, I've been trying to compensate my folks and, you know, let them know how much their efforts are appreciated and support them in any way that we can um, because I don't want to lose my team. You know, I've got really, really good folks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, people are the problem of the decade with respect to business, and uh, I see that that that's not going to diminish much. So uh, mm-hmm. the winners are those people, those entrepreneurs who uh, learn how to do what you're doing for your people. So congratulations on that. Carrie, how is the industry likely to change in the near future? And, and what would Flirt's uh, uh, role be in a changed business if it is if it is going to change? Yeah, I think, you know, it's changing, but it's also the core business is staying the same. How do we support our clients and helping them communicate and motivate their folks? A lot of times I can draw a straight line to retention. And one of the big problems that all our clients are having, like everybody is retaining good talent because people are trying to poach them. They're offering a carrot with what seems like more money. And I think the live events and the communication are what are what are bringing people together as teams and making them feel like they're part of a team. And when you really feel like you're part of a team, you don't want to leave. You've got people that like and support you. You have people that you like and support you. You understand that what you're doing is important. What is the bigger picture? Um, in some cases, you know, some cases you're helping patients live a better life. In some cases, you're, you know, providing products to people. Whatever it is your company does, and if you can feel like like that's important for the world, and that you're a part of that, and that you know you're important to the team, I think you're going to try hard. You're going to work hard, and you're going to stay with your you know, with your situation. So that's really the core of what we're trying to help help our clients do. And we do that in lots of different ways. And those ways are going to change, you know, um, you know, videos, speeches, technology, different types of campaigns, different, you know, ways to, touch, you know, reach out with small touches and communicate to people. One of the things that has changed a lot in the industry uh, I'm sure you've noticed this too, Les, is that, you know, we have to get those messages across faster, more concisely. <laughs> we have to understand that people, you know, aren't going to sit and be engaged for hours and hours, you know, with with speeches. They need to be active and doing things. So the way people learn is, is definitely changed since, you know, 
since we started. Yeah. It's interesting that you go right back to, uh, even though you're in a atmosphere and environment of high technical change, you go right back to the values that keep people there and keep them working. That, uh, that strong respect for people and the abilities they bring to you and the recognition of those folks to retain them. Uh-huh. Great. Okay. What's uh, what's important to you about this company? What's important to you about um, the hard work that you put in over the years? That's interesting. And I, I'm part of a Vistage group. I'm part of a CEO group. And we talk about that. And uh, it's often the same answer with, with, uh, with the CEOs. And certainly in this case, like what's important to me is our people and how we're able to you know, support them and their families and their extended families and that sort of thing. I mean, it, pleasing our clients is great, but taking care of 15 families, 30 families, you know, 45 families in terms of, you know, being able to provide and have them have a, a, a livelihood, that's really what feels great at the end of the day. That's where the gratification comes in. And, you know, that just, that's pretty common, I think, uh, among CEOs who really, you know, care about their folks. It's like, hey, at the end of the day, we're helping, you know, fuel the economy and take care of a whole lot of folks. And what else is there at the end? Right. Yeah. 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 Looking back now, is there anything you would do differently? Uh, a good, a good question. You know, you you start a journey like this and you have no idea what's going to happen, <laughs> how, you know, what, where things are going to go, what bumps in the road. Um, in some cases, you know, it's probably good that you don't know <laughs> because you, you just do it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Like what I, if, if someone would have laid out this, this path and said, this is what's going to happen. Would you, would I have taken it? Maybe not. You know, because it doesn't, you know, it's kind of crazy. But, um, yeah, I I spent a lot of time, especially at the beginning of the company and then again after Paul passed, being pretty worried, you know, and concerned and afraid to do things like take a vacation and, um, you know, uh, have as much fun maybe as I as I should have. And um, I would say that, you know, it's even when things are tough like that, it's still important to prioritize your health and your family and your personal time and carve out that, that stuff. And so that's the work-life balance message is, you know, that's always important. And sometimes it's hard because you're, you know, you use your weekends to catch up or you use your weekends to work and then you're emailing people and then they're emailing you back. And, you know, I, I'm learning now, Hey, don't, just don't do that. Right. Make that, make that division. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, and for the company and for you, what's next? Well, we've always said we want to grow strategically and, and slowly, right? We, we don't want to find ourselves in a situation where we're growing faster than we can provide that high level of support that we've, you know, uh, that we're known for. So bringing on a few more key people 
um, that have the same values and same culture and same work ethic as the folks that we have is important. And we're always trying to do that. So we need a little bit more uh, support. And then some of our um, producers are really ready to move into more account management positions. And that's how we'll, we, you know, we grow, we grow through referrals, we grow by um, developing business from within existing accounts. Um, this is not the kind of thing you can be very successful at just going door to door or, you know, regular marketing, because it's such a high touch uh, position. You're working really closely with the CEO of the company and other leaders, and um, it's it's something that people want to stick with when they have a good partner. Excellent. Uh, Carrie, um, I so much appreciate your joining us this morning. Uh, and for the audience, I think the, this uh, half hour we spent together has just been characterized by strong entrepreneurial values and uh, strong people values. And Carrie has uh, prospered uh, and uh, faced difficulty and persevered and done pretty much everything that an entrepreneur will do uh, during an entire career. And yet, uh, the most important message here is the strong values and the right people and treating people correctly. Carrie, you've been uh, an inspiration to us this morning. I really appreciate your being here. Thanks, Les. It was fun and I enjoyed the conversation. This has been On Deck with Les Deck. Thanks for listening. In each episode, we uncover wisdom you can use to grow your business. If you want to learn more about leadership team coaching, visit us on the web at lessdeck.com. If you have questions or anything else you want to say, email us at less at lessdeckconsulting.com. Don't forget to click that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. This is a Less Deck production. Thank you.